Welcome to Gather Round with Rebecca Spooner. I really, as with all my podcasts, was praying about this one and I feel like this is for someone specific. Maybe it's for me. Maybe I am podcasting to myself today because I can definitely relate to this. Our session title is To the Overwhelmed. So if you are feeling overwhelmed, if you are feeling like the weight is crushing, if you are feeling like there is not enough time in the day, if you are feeling like there is too much to do and not enough of you, then this session or episode or whatever we're calling it is for you. So we're going to be opening up a lot of scripture. You may want your Bible for this one. We've got a lot of encouragement, and I'm going to share some real-life stories. So grab yourself some coffee or tea, and let's get started. So let's start with a, you know, a nice, handy, safe, simple definition. What does it mean to be overwhelmed? I feel like this is almost a trending thing. This is something that we say. It's almost popular to say. It's like saying you're a hot mess. You know, um, I'm overwhelmed. I'm just so overwhelmed. I just, I can't do this. Anyone else say I can't do this? I just, I just can't. I just can't. I used to say that all the time. I'm talking all the time. That was my go-to. That was my catchphrase. And saying I am overwhelmed, I hear it over and over and over again, not just in my own life and in my own home, but I hear it from other people a lot. It is something that we say sometimes. We There's varying degrees and varying levels of overwhelm, but we kind of use it to describe everything. So let's sit down and actually define what we are talking about when we are saying overwhelm. I love looking this up in the dictionary because it says to bury or drown. Anyone else feeling like a drowned rat? It means beneath a huge mass. Yes, life can feel like a huge mass. It means to defeat completely or to overpower. It means too much of a thing to someone or to be too strong for, to inundate all of those things are such an apt description of overwhelm. And I feel like every single one of them fits so perfectly, even when we're talking about homeschooling and parenting and, you know, being a good spouse and being a good friend and getting involved in ministry. Sometimes it's too much of a thing, even a good thing. How many of you know that too much of a good thing can still inundate? It can still be too strong for you to carry. How many of you know that that we can be overpowered by even the good Good things in our life, but they just become things and they become things on our agenda, things for us to do, obligations for us to fulfill. And more and more and more of them can actually overpower us and cause us to be defeated, to feel like we are we are being crushed beneath a huge mass, that we are being um, buried or that we are drowning. I mean, I say that too all the time. I feel like I am drowning because that is what it feels like sometimes when there is just so much to do and not enough of you. So what does it mean to be overwhelmed? Um, I, I decided that I'm going to share on Instagram a picture um, that I now need to find and go and post in tandem with this with this podcast but you need to go to my my Instagram I do have two but the one that I'm going to post this on is gather around homeschool and I'm going to post you a picture of what it means to be overwhelmed okay it's a picture of my kids it's in the early years of not just you know parenting but also homeschooling and all of that and it was absolute pandemonium 
pandemonium. So I had my son, and I know I have shared this before, but my kids were very close together, especially my first three. Um, Caleb was two months old when I found out I was pregnant with Selah. Selah was six months old when I found out I was pregnant with Malachi. So we had three kids in diapers at the same time. Now, as they grew and they were, you know, no longer in diapers and we're potty training and we're getting through the teething and we're getting through the the terrible twos and the three nagers and all of the things. Now I'm starting school and oh, we've added a kid or two into that. And it was somewhere in the mix of this. It was somewhere when I had purchased a whole bunch of preschool curriculum. I had a school room at this point, um, and I was I was trying to be mom to a brood of children at the same time as I was trying to get my feet wet in homeschooling, which I was way overconfident in and felt like I was going to conquer the world because surely it would be easy because I knew exactly what I was doing. It was around this time that God just used opportunities to teach me how much I didn't know. He used opportunities to teach me that my kids were very very different from one another and that I could not just put them in a safe little box and say, stay there and do exactly as I say. Um, They had little minds of their own. They had curiosity. They had um, misbehaviors. They had attitudes. And so it was this learning period of, I know nothing. I was humbled. I was greatly and deeply humbled. And let me tell you, I was overwhelmed. So what are the signs of being overwhelmed? How do you know that that's where you are? When you are overwhelmed, it actually, honestly, I believe that these are some of the symptoms that we tend to, when you are overwhelmed and you know it, it's just so easy. It is, it's actually sometimes the lighter things in life. That's when you're just really busy. That's when you are just doing too much and you can actually identify it and say, I'm overwhelmed. When overwhelmed, like we are talking about, the crushing, defeating, too much, inundating, too strong for, is just compacting and pressing day after day, week after week, month after month, and you're doing okay until you're not, the signs and symptoms are different. And I think sometimes we can miss them. Your signs of overwhelm could be that you are stagnant. You stop moving. You stop making progress. You feel like you can no longer do anything. You can call this the the fight or flight or freeze. Okay, this is the freeze response. This is when you just, I can't and I'm just really tired and maybe you're just sleeping more or, you know, even feeling kind of depressed or overwhelmed. (laughs) See, see, I can't use that word to describe that word, but you start to slow down. You start to slow down because you have to. Your brain slows down. You lose motivation. You lose momentum. You become stagnant. You may feel, and literally, I, I'm. This is actually a physical manifestation of overwhelm. You may feel like you can't breathe. You may feel like no matter how much you inhale, no matter how many deep sighs you take, no matter how much deep breath or breathing exercises you do, you never have enough oxygen in your body. This is, a, this is a big thing, you guys. If you are feeling this way, this is your body telling you something needs to change. You may not be able to sleep or rest. You may find that you're, you know, you go to bed and either you can't sleep, you're, you know, you've got insomnia or whatever, or you wake up and you still feel exhausted. You feel like you are not getting good sleep, or you just have so much happening in your mind that when you lay down, you can't shut off your mind. And even though you are physically exhausted, your mind just keeps going round and round and round and round. And one of the most um, 
I'm going to say pinnacle, um, the, the, the most prevalent ways that I think people have um, symptoms of an underlying condition of overwhelm is being angry, chronically angry. It's funny because it took me a long time to start to connect those dots. Um, it, was, it was years and years and years into my parenting that I started to realize that my anger was triggered often when we were trying to get ready to go out of the house and, and I'm getting all the kids and everybody's shoes and everybody's late and I told them to be ready and nobody's ready and it was in those moments that I started to get, I started to get angry. And it was, you know, I, I started to think, man, I, I feel like I just don't want to put any pressure on myself because when there is pressure, I tend to just explode. And I started to connect the dots between anxiety, which ultimately I believe stems from, um, at least in my case, stemmed from overwhelm. It stemmed from my my not just my need to control things, but how out of control things felt. How I, no matter how much I tried, no matter how much I planned, there was all of this pressure, pressure, pressure. It was burying me. I felt like I was beneath a huge mass and worse yet, I felt like there wasn't anything I could do about it. I'm driving people. I'm, I'm trying to get people ready. And so anger was the natural thing that, that resulted. It was the symptom of the overwhelm that I was feeling. Sometimes it isn't even overwhelm of things, of, of things on our agenda, of things that we have to do. It can be overwhelm of our own emotions that's right it was it was about a week ago or so um i was i was out with my husband and we had gone to the gym early in the morning and i was i was so irritated i was so irritated and i i just i quietly was trying i was working on it within myself you know how you do that you're just like you're silent but you're like trying to work it out but i couldn't i was just I was just mad and we get to the gym and I was just, I was so angry. I was so mad. I was like, here's, here's what happened. Okay. I'm going to tell you the whole story. What happened was the night before we had had friends over who we dearly, dearly love. And we have a tendency to stay up super late and visit. But my husband is, is driving us to go to the gym. Now, actually, truth be told, I'm really enjoying it. And so this has become something that I personally love, but it comes with a cost. The cost is that I have to go to bed. Unlike my husband who can do fine and function well with very little sleep, I need sleep. I need not just six, not just seven. I need eight eight hours of sleep. And I have not been getting that. That has been impossible. So here we are getting up at five in the morning, 530 in the morning so that we can make working out something that's feasible to do together. But that means I have to go to bed and I feel like I'm dying with exhaustion during the day. Sometimes I have to have naps. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. But going to bed at like nine is so unrealistic for us. Okay. So we're like late night owls that are, are trying to now grow up and mature and go to bed at decent times. Like adults. Anyways. So it was the night before and, you know, we went in the hot tub and I had even told my husband beforehand, and I'm assuming these people aren't listening, but if they are listening, they will understand this is nothing related to them. This is just me and my husband and the fact that I'd had a conversation with him. So I had said, okay, we're going to, let's go in the hot tub and let's enjoy our time. But like, I, I need to wrap it up at a decent time because I have to go to bed. I can't keep doing this. He's like, yeah, no problem. We agreed on a time. And then he went in the hot tub 
tub. We got out, us girls, and the boys stayed in there. And I even went out and was like, you know, the kids are kind of wanting to go in. And and he wanted to stay. And he visited for I don't know how long until they turned into prunes probably. And and then visited after. And he just, it was my husband. It wasn't them. They weren't, they weren't staying over and over. It was my husband whose long, drawn-out conversations, he enjoys the art of conversing. And so it just got later and it got later and it got later and it got later and and so the next morning when I'm so tired I feel like I want to die but I also want to do this I was so mad I was so mad so I worked out angrily which I I don't know if I recommend um, and we did talk about it and I went in all in a huff and and it was not resolved and afterwards I was sitting there and I do my devotions in in the sauna of all places but um you got, you got to fit it in where you can fit it in, right? So I'm sitting in there and I'm doing my devotions and it was asking, you know, how are you feeling right now? And I, you actually like type in your emotions on this, this um, app that I have. And so I'm typing in, I'm frustrated, I'm angry, I'm overwhelmed. I'm, you know, like all the things that I was feeling. Where does that come from? And asking God, you know, what does he want you to do about it? Is there anything you need to confess? And so I'm going through this process and I'm realizing that, that this was actually, this was actually my own disappointment. I was disappointed. Actually, the conversation we had was really good. And and we have chosen as a couple to take the opportunities that are in front of us, regardless of our plans, and to choose to be flexible. No matter how much work we have, no matter what our deadlines and due dates are, we've, cho- we've chosen, we've had to intentionally choose and fight for the yes and choosing to say yes to the moments that are in front of us so that we actually can live our lives. And so it was important and it was valuable. And we we appreciated it, but I was just disappointed that it was another day of me being exhausted, that we can't seem to get into a schedule and a routine and trying to fit this in is really, really hard. And it was not really my husband's fault. It was ultimately my disappointment and how overwhelmed I was with my feelings and my need to just pass that off onto the first person that was in front of me. Yeah. Anyone relate to that? So I, I went through this whole thing. And what's so interesting, this this app I have, it it then takes you to a verse and, and asks you, how does that verse tie in? And the verse was, God is near to the brokenhearted. I don't remember the exact verse or where it is found, but um, but how does that tie in? I just felt like God said, you know what? You use anger as a mask to protect yourself when you are feeling overwhelmed. You use anger as a mask to help you feel more in control or to help you feel stronger when you feel like, like you're being crushed and it becomes like walls around you, like your armor. And if you will lay that down and if you will allow yourself to be vulnerable and actually just feel disappointed, to actually just feel frustrated, to actually just feel whatever it may be. But in that case, it was truly just disappointment. And if I was vulnerable and allowed myself to just feel that, then I felt like there was a promise in that, that God is near. He is near. But but when I'm angry and I'm pushing everyone around me away, I'm also pushing him away. Not that he can't come close, but that I push away everybody around me because I'm using my anger and I'm deflecting. Does that make sense? Does that relate to anybody, maybe? (laughs) Anyways, so what does it mean to be overwhelmed? I mean, I think we've defined what is overwhelm um, and, and how do you know you're overwhelmed and the signs of it and where it's ultimately coming from. But that brings us to the question that you need to ask yourself is why are you overwhelmed? Why? 
Where is it stemming from? Is it things on your agenda? When you ask yourself why you feel like you can't breathe, why you feel like there's just so much to do, what are you thinking about? What are you fixating on? What are you angry about? You need to ask yourself where these emotions are coming from, where these symptoms are coming from. It's like going to the doctor and you know, you you go in with symptoms and they treat the symptoms and you're on, you know, different medications, but you're never actually finding the underlying root cause of it. And now you have symptoms of medications that have symptoms and you just spiral into the symptomatic treatment plan that isn't actually helping you with the root of what you're dealing with. In the same way, we don't want to treat the symptoms. And this is what we do. We say, I'm angry. I have a problem with anger. And we try to, we try to treat the anger. I can't sleep. I, you know, we, 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 whether that's on the natural whether that's, you know, mentally or whatever we do, we, we come up with, you know, we take melatonin or um, we, we, I don't know what we do, work out before we go to bed. I don't know, whatever. We come up with strategies to try to deal with the fact that we aren't sleeping well. When we feel like we can't breathe, maybe that's, you know, like me, yeah, I went and started working out. I, I, you, we try to do things to treat the symptoms that we're feeling. We're feeling stagnant. We're feeling like we're unmotivated. We feel slightly depressed, whatever we may be feeling at that moment. And maybe we go out shopping because it makes it feel better or maybe we you know try to buy a new planner like I do so that we feel like we're going to be motivated we do what we can to kickstart ourselves to deal with the symptoms in front of us but if we don't ask ourselves why we are overwhelmed and what God wants us to do about it then how are we actually ever going to be able to change our circumstances so I would say that in many 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 cases it does not come from just one thing Instead, it comes from many things. That goes back to our definition, giving too much of a thing to someone to overpower them. So we're talking about many things over a period of time that actually start to push. Now, this is this is the the... I always say to people that I'm fine until I'm not fine. And sometimes I don't even know when that's going to happen. I just am fine. I'm legitimately fine. I feel great. I feel like I'm in a great place in my marriage. I feel like I'm in a great place as a parent. I feel like I'm accomplishing things. Everything is going well in my life. I literally am fine. People ask me how I'm doing. I'm doing great. Mom, you know, my husband and I, we have a great conversation. And literally the very next day I can wake up and everything can be different. I'm all of a sudden feeling depressed or overwhelmed or I just feel like I can't get out of bed or I feel like I can't breathe or I'm angry at the world or all of a sudden my husband and I are are in a fight that I'm wondering, my goodness, I thought that things were going so well. Where did this even come from? And you realize, my goodness, I was fine until I'm not fine. And sometimes there's no warning to it. You just you just are. You're good. And then all of a sudden something happens and you're not good. Sometimes that's in your control. You cause it and other times it's not. Overwhelm is generally not one thing. It is a stack up of things over a long period of time that you are doing well and then it just starts to overpower you. It starts to take over, whether that's emotional or whether that is you busying your life. You have to ask yourself why you are overwhelmed. You need to make yourself a list of all the things in your life, whether this is emotional, like I said, um, where that may be coming from, why you're feeling what you're feeling, or whether it is from just busyness. And I think this is probably the most common. We busy ourselves in our society today. And so asking yourself, what am I doing? Um, what's what, what am I doing that's life-giving and what am I doing that's not? Sometimes you can be doing all life-giving things, but it's just too much. It's too much of a good thing and you need to pair it back. You'll start to see um, 
a cost. You'll start to see a cost in your own life, in your own mental health, in your own, all those things we talked about. But the more concerning thing is you're going to start to see a cost in your marriage or you'll start to see a cost in your family with your kids. You're not going to connect with them as much. There's just not enough of you to go around and you'll start to pay the price of that if you do not take the time to ask yourself why you are feeling the way you are, what your true priorities are, where they lie, and ultimately submitting all of that to God and asking him what he wants you to do with it. It's coffee break. Take take yourself a sip of coffee. I'm not even going to cut this out because we, I think we need this intentional moment. <laughs> okay. With my with my life, and I know not everybody has my life, but with my life and with my kids, I I have had to choose, like I said, to be in the moment, and I have had to choose that when opportunities arise. I have to take them because if I do not take them, then the cost will just be too great. See, I am unwilling that gather round, no matter how great it is, what what a worthy cause, no matter how much God is using it, I am unwilling for my ministry to cost me my family. I am unwilling for my ministry to cost me my children. And my children need a lot from me. I actually think in some ways they need more from me now, my teens, than they needed from me when they were babies. Now, instead of just changing a diaper or or playing with them for five seconds until they're distracted, now it is hour-long counseling sessions where I need to talk them through their emotions and listen and take them out for special times. I mean, they need time with me, legitimate chunks of my life need to be devoted to connecting with my kids, to listening to my kids. That is a huge, huge cost. It's a huge cost. Now, I I have spent so much time in my life trying to orchestrate or trying to control or trying to balance my life by by sectioning it off, by segmenting it off, by saying I'm going to do this, I'm going to spend this amount of time with this kid or I'm going to do that. And more and more I'm learning that that is not realistic for me in my life. So I have to actually take the opportunities and so many times in my day, in my week, a kid will come to me and it will be something super benign. It will just be a quick little thing and Holy Spirit just puts his finger on it and he says, this one, this one, look up, look up from your computer, stop what you're doing and listen. And it starts off super benign and we're talking about an animal or we're talking about this, but all of a sudden, because I looked up, all of a sudden, because I engaged, all of a sudden, because I gave my full attention, boom, the floodgates open and we get into the most incredible discussions, the hardest discussions, the deepest discussions, because my kids need me to be present. Now, this is not me finding all those opportunities, looking for all those opportunities, making this intentional time every week to spend with one child one-on-one. No, 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 no. There is no religious um, structure to it. It is just me listening to the Holy Spirit. And I pray this all the time. God, fill in the gaps that I leave behind. God, I can't do enough. I can't be everything to all people. I can't be everything to my kids. I can't be the best teacher and the best CEO to two companies, and the best wife, and the best friend, and the best this, and the best that. I'm failing all over the place, and I need to reframe that because God has taught me that I am not failing. I am doing what he sets before me to do. 
And now that may look different than what I thought it should. That may look different than what was on my list. That may look different than what I feel like are the pressing things that are crushing me all around. But I also know that if I do not, if I just deal with the pressing things that are constantly crushing me all around, my deadlines, my due dates, I write, I do this, I do that, then I will never see my family. And at the end, I will absolutely be crushed because I will have lost the most important thing to me. So God knows me better than I know myself. And he knows that while the mountain that is constantly on top of me is big, and while it would relieve some pressure to take that off and to deal with it, that what is actually more important, not just for the sake of my children or my spouse or whoever it may be, but also for my sake, so that I know that I am not just just giving everything to this business and not spending any time with my family. It is also for my sake. When I connect with my family, when I connect with my kids, when I connect with my friends, when, when, when we have real conversations and when I just listen and when people speak into my life and when I speak into their life, this stuff matters. It matters. So I make myself lists of all of the things that I could do. I call them my impossibility plans. I'm going to write every single day. I'm going to do two lessons. I'm going to do this. I make these plans that I know are impossible. They literally are impossible. Now I've seen God do incredible things in my life. I've seen him do in a weekend what what usually takes me weeks to do um, in my own writing, in my own work, and whatever else. And so I'm learning to just trust his timing for it. But I also am learning that those truly are impossible because there's so many other things in my life. But I lay them all down just so that I can breathe so I feel like it is possible. If I met these unrealistic expectations, then, you know, truly I could do it all. But I I lay it all out and then I ask God, what are your priorities? And I give Holy Spirit permission. I give him permission to come in and mess up my day and mess up my schedule and mess up my best laid plans and to intervene and to put his finger on conversations and on moments that matter because that is more important to me. So yeah, ask yourself why you're overwhelmed, make yourself a list, but ultimately you guys, more important than anything is bringing that to God saying, what do you want me to cut? What do you want me to keep? And saying, I surrender each and every day to you and I'm going to make my plan, but I'm going to submit that plan to you. And I'm going to say, you have permission to come and have your way in my day. We need that. And when you do that, and when you trust God, that even though the things that you were supposed to accomplish that day did not get accomplished, the things that needed to happen did. So how do we respond to our overwhelm? I'm going to give you two points. I'm going to talk to you about um, um, essentially dealing with it. Okay. So we, we know we have it. We know that overwhelm sneaks up on us um, and that you're fine until all of a sudden you're overwhelmed. It just, it just hits you. It's like just, it's like a, like a blind blow. It's like someone coming up from behind. It's just, it's honestly so dishonorable. It's like, how could you? At least you could have come at my face. No, no, no. Overwhelm doesn't come at your face. It is, it is a dishonorable thing that sneaks up on you and it just attacks you from behind. Okay. So you can't anticipate it. You don't know when it's going to happen. And all of a sudden, boom, you are overwhelmed. So what do you do about it? Now you've prayed about it. You've identified it. You're submitting, you're doing all of the things that you can do, but we need to talk about how we respond to it. And we need to talk about what we do about it. So how do we respond to our overwhelm? Well, first off, we remember where we are. Okay, we are not 
finished yet. We are here in a broken world and we were not promised perfection. And sometimes the enemy sneaks in there and he tries to get us feeling sorry for ourselves and woe is me and our lives are so difficult because, you know, we're experiencing all of this weight and all of these difficulties, but we were not, this isn't a surprise. John 16, 33 says, I have said these things to you that in me, you may have peace in the world. You will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. See, we're going to have difficult things. We're going to have hard things. But when we remember that this is where we are and that we have the ability to go to God and to have peace despite the things that we are facing, when we remember that he has overcome the world, even though it might not seem like it, it might not feel like it in the moment, in the situation, but we have to remind ourselves of that. That is why we have to remind ourselves because our feelings are deceitful. They are deceitful. They are going to try to convince us that this is bigger than it is. They're going to try to convince us that this is impossible. They're going to try to convince us that, that, that there's nothing that can fix this. And we have to remember this verse. If you haven't memorized this verse, you need to memorize this verse. You need to stick it on a mirror somewhere. You need to have yourself a battle plan because we have to remember when we are overcome, we have to choose to take heart because he has overcome the world, overcome. One of the very definitions of overwhelm. When we feel overcome, we have to remind ourselves that there is one who has already overcome that which is overwhelming us to begin with. Number two, we need to remember who God is. Matthew 19, 26, but Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. We have to remember who God is, that he is the God of the impossible, that he can do all things, that even the things that feel daunting, that even the things that feel too big for us, that we are not alone, that he is with us. We have to remember what we have been given. 1 John 5, 4 says, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Our faith. You have been given faith. You have the gift of faith, the ability to believe in an unseen God. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Again, the very word that is used to describe overwhelm, it is being overcome or overpowered. When we can push back against that and remind ourselves, so no, 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 I am not overpowered. I get to overcome these situations and, and what I'm facing and I have victory in this life. Why? Because of my faith, because I've been born of God. And because of that, I get to overcome in this situation. Deuteronomy 28, one to two is talking obviously to the Israelites, but it says, and if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord, your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. This is why I believe it is so important not to sit down and make our list, not to sit down and, and decide what our balance is or what we can do or what we can't do, but rather to just submit it to God and to obey his voice. When he says this one, we obey that. doesn't matter how much the pressure the world is putting on us is. It doesn't matter. We listen because 
It is not actually the stress of the situation you are facing. It is not actually the storm that's going to overwhelm you. Instead, when you obey the voice of God, it is blessings that will come upon you and not just come upon you, but overtake you. Once again, we are using the very definition of overwhelm to counteract it. It is not your circumstances that are going to overtake you. It may feel like it, but it is actually blessings that will overtake you if you will submit and if you will obey what God is saying to you, not your own intellect, not your own um, expectations, not other people's expectations, not what uh, the world is asking of you, but rather what God is asking of you. And then we have Isaiah. And this is one of the the biggest things when you want to respond to overwhelm is remembering who God is. And I know know that I said this before, that he's God of the impossible, but I feel like Isaiah 43, and I'm going to read a chunk of it because I feel like more so than my words are his words. And I just, I just, as I was reading over this, I thought, my goodness, if we could just hear this when we are overwhelmed, if we could just remind ourselves of this, it would put everything into perspective. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar, and my daughters from the end of the earth, every Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Bring out the people who are blind yet have eyes, who are deaf yet have ears. All the nations gather together and the peoples assemble. Who among them can declare this and show us the former things? Let them bring their witnesses to prove them right and let them hear and say, it is true. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. I declared and saved and proclaimed when there was no strange God among you, and you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and I am God. Also, henceforth, I am he. There is none who can deliver you from my hand. I work and who can turn it back? Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake, I send to Babylon and bring them all down as fugitives, even the Chaldeans and the ships in which they rejoice. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down. They cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? 
I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. This is Isaiah 43, 1 to 21. We have to remember. When you are overwhelmed, when you feel overcome, you have to choose to remember the goodness and the faithfulness of God in your life. This is how we respond to overwhelm. This is what we do. We speak his word. We declare what is true when our mind is lying to us that everything is impossible. When our mind is lying to us that we are going to die here. We have to get up and say, I will not surely die. I will live. We have to speak his word. We have to speak his truth. We have to remind ourselves not only of who God is, but who we are created in his image, made for him and for his purpose. You know, the, the, the power of our words and what we speak, and this goes back to what I was mentioning in the beginning, how I used to say, I can't do this. I'm so overwhelmed. You know, I just, I, I would say, I can't do this all the time. I can't do this. I, I, I just can't do this. And over and over again, I felt like God just convicting me. Every time I said it, the power that were in my words, that the, the lies of the enemy, the pressure of the world, the the constant, um, that's not necessarily going to honestly go away. I, I believe that we can find peace in the midst of the storm. But listen, we live in a storm. We live in a storm. We live in an imperfect, broken world where sin and evil and tribulation and difficulty exists. We can't say, well, there's going to be no more storm. There's going to be no more difficulties. There will one day when God makes a new heaven and a new earth and, and, and all things are restored to his original plan. But right now, right now, we aren't walking in that. Right now, we get to be a light in the darkness. So it is a dark world. We are in the midst of a storm. And so so that's not necessarily going to change. What can change is our response to it. That we can actually, like Jesus in the boat, we can sleep in the midst of the storm as impossible as that might seem because it doesn't concern us. It doesn't disturb us because we know who we are and we know what God we serve and we are surrendered and obedient only when he tells us to get up and speak and do. And that is exactly what we're going to do. What happens is when we feel these things and when we, you know, we have all these thoughts in our head that we just can't do this, we're so overwhelmed. When we speak it, we agree with it. When we speak those things, we agree with it. We actually put tangible power into the, 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 the feeling that we have. And we now say, yes, this is true. And we speak it over ourselves. You know how many verses are in the Bible about the power of our words? You want to know the power of your word? Let me tell you, we are made in the image of God. A God who spoke the world into existence. Jesus is the spoken word of God made flesh. There is so much power in the spoken word. Why? Because there is so much power in the spoken word of God and we are made in his image. The words you speak, you are prophesying over yourself. The words you speak, you are agreeing with. The words you speak, you are aligning with. The words you speak have power. 
And so there was this whole season in my life when I would just say, I can't do this. And, and God just convicted me and he said, you are aligning. He, he gave me Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gave me strength. And he said, you need to start using your sword and you need to start speaking this out every time you feel this instead of aligning with it. And you need to repent of aligning with this. So not only do you need to remember who God is and his goodness and faithfulness and have that new and refreshed perspective over your overwhelm, but then you need to actually, your response to it and in the words that you speak, you can actually have power over your overwhelm, over your emotions, over the pressure that you feel when you speak the word of God rather than you you give weight to those emotions by speaking them out. It really does matter. It really does matter. That's just the way that God created the world. That's the way that he fashioned us. Our words matter and and our response to things matters. It is not wrong to feel overwhelmed, but my goodness, you do not have to stay there. You do not have to stay there. I feel overwhelmed all the time, almost every single day of my life, okay? I, I often, especially right now, I often feel overwhelmed. I understand it. I know where you're at, but I'm telling you that when I feel it, I deal with it. When I feel it, I speak all the things I'm thankful for. Sometimes Jonathan and I, we just get frustrated and, and we're talking about just all the bad things, all the hard things, all the things we're wrestling with and things that are coming up in our business and, and negative emails and stuff we have to deal with. And, and then I can just feel the, the static electricity of negativity. And we just say, you know what? Quick, name five things you're thankful for. When we are thankful and when we re, readjust and align our perspective and remember all of the things God has done for us and who he is, and then when we speak that out and we speak out his word rather than giving weight to necessarily the, the overwhelm or the negativity of what we may be feeling, that is how we deal with it. I know this has been a little bit longer, but I just know that there is someone out there. There is someone out there who is needed to hear this, who needs to know that, that God is saying to you, take heart, take heart. I have overcome the world. I am so much bigger, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God is so much bigger than your circumstances that feel like they are crushing you, like they are so big, like they are too much. He is so much bigger than that. And if you will just lay it all at his feet and you will ask him to come and tell you to just, just what do I do to be obedient? And if you will speak his word, if you will speak Isaiah 43 over yourself, if you will speak John 16, 33 and Matthew 19, 26 and 1 John 5, 4 and Deuteronomy 28, 1 to 2 and Philippians 4, 13 and James 1, 17. If you will speak these scriptures out loud, if you will choose not to align with the overwhelm that you are feeling, but rather you will battle this, then you will be victorious. You will find peace in the midst of the storm. I believe it with all my heart because it is in the Bible, because it is scripture, because it is a promise. We can have peace in the midst of the, of the trials that we face. It is possible. It's not the world's peace. It's his peace. He didn't come to give as the world gives. He came to bring his perfect peace that surpasses all understanding. Let's pray. God, I thank you for every person here. I thank you that, that, that we are learning and that we are growing and that we can have humility to just admit the fact that, that we have our good days and we have our bad days and, and that you are teaching us all the time in the midst of every situation. You can redeem things and you can use them to teach us and to help us grow. And so God, right now, all the things that even we're feeling guilty or shameful or, or maybe convicted about God, that, that we would instead look at those with a healthy perspective and say, what a great opportunity to learn and to grow in this area in our lives. 
God, I pray that you would teach us how to deal with our overwhelm. I pray that you would teach us how to find peace in the midst of the storm, how to sleep in the boat. I pray that you would you would teach us how to speak your word, that you would remind us, Holy Spirit, to speak your word rather than giving weight to the emotions or the lies that we are feeling or that we are agreeing with. I pray that we would repent of those things and we would take intentional time to repent of those things, to turn away from them and instead remember who you are and who you created us to be. Would you just remind us of our identity? Would you remind us of your faithfulness and your goodness in our lives? And would you just continue to teach us and that our children will see this in in our lives and let it be a living testimony? Like Isaiah 43, let it be a testimony. Let us testify to your goodness, testify to your faithfulness, and testify to the fact that you are victorious over everything. Thank you, God, and we just invite you into our weeks and our days. In your name we pray. Amen.